On this Star Wars episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands and Star Wars um, as often as we can. On this Star Wars edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Ken Gregory, Paul Zotter, and Tom Corcoran from the West Coast as we cover Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. All right, gentlemen, is this the last Star Wars palaver? I doubt it, but welcome to at it. least this Star Wars palaver on Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, very happy to have you guys here, and I before we even get into it, I want to put out a big, fat spoiler alert for anyone listening to this. We will be talking every aspect of... The Rise of Skywalker, and if you have not seen it and do not want to be spoiled, do not, under any circumstances, listen to this episode until you have watched the movie. Seems unlikely that anyone won't know what's going on or have an opinion. I don't. By know. now. By now. Well, I only saw this thing two nights ago, so. <laughs> Just two <laughs> nights ago? Really? Wow. Okay. Uh, I, well, it's, it it's Saturday night, so yeah. It's I mean, fresh so. in your memory, then. I, I was... Uh, Hoping to see it a second time before we talked. Joe, I'd like to play the boo or yay game, and we'll talk about uh, just uh, like 10 movies that were released concurrent with this. Okay. Okay. I'm, okay. I, I'm a big All fan right. of the context, Ken. Go for it. I haven't, I haven't seen any of those movies, but okay. All right. Other movies released fall, winter of uh, 2019. Jojo Rabbit. Uh, Terminator. Dark Fate. Boo. <laughs> I thought I, I saw that. It was it was pretty good. Really? I, I wanted to see it, but every time I saw a preview, it got worse and worse. So, <laughs> Motherless Brooklyn, uh, Last Christmas, Ford versus Ferrari. Yay! Ford versus yeah. Ferrari was freaking awesome. Wow! Wow! Okay. Charlie's Angels. Oh, Naboo. Frozen was- Two. Wow! Uh, My kids loved it. I'll say yay, <laughs> but I, I I haven't seen it. Just okay. let it go. Oh. <laughs> nice fall. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yay. Good. Okay. Who, who doesn't like Tom Hanks or Mr. Rogers? Well, did you see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, All right. I've seen The Rise of Skywalker three times. I only have so much time to go to movies. Oh, boy. Jumanji, the next level. You know, the first one I thought was hilarious. Um, I heard I, that this... I heard, did you see the second one, Tom? I did not. I did not. I hear it's uh, just as funny, I, if I, not I, funnier. I, I've heard the same. I, I didn't see it, but I've heard it's great. I'd like to see it. Uh, Tom, I know that you've done actual work on zombie films in the past. What about this Black Christmas? Are, uh, is horror still a big thing? 
Yeah, I've never even heard of that movie. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I have I have seen a couple uh, trailers for it, but uh, uh, I I know very little about it. Okay, all right. Well, you know that, that that's what uh, Disney was up against here with uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Well, that would explain why Disney's already made another billion dollars off this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I noticed, um, this is alarming. I noticed that The Rise of Skywalker is currently the ninth top grossing film in 2019. Uh, the gross was uh, a little north of $900,000, which was... I guess their budget was like two hundred and fifty million or something like that, and it was out Here, for like ten days of twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Here is here is the sobering part. If you look at the top ten grossing films, worldwide grossing films of twenty nineteen, top ten, seven of the ten are Disney films. Mm. That is unreal to me. They are Avengers Endgame, Lion King, Frozen 2, Captain Marvel, Toy Story 4, Aladdin, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't think Aladdin did that well. I, that's that's interesting. $1.05 billion. Wow. Damn. That's crazy. Yet somehow, after doing all that, they did not have time to make Baby Yoda dolls for some reason. Okay, nope. so I heard a conspiracy theory about that today. As, as we take a, a short little side trip into Mandalorian territory, because I was mentioning to my buddies at lunch today how Baby Yoda, you know, I've seen six of the eight episodes of The Mandalorian, and I've I very much enjoyed it, even though I had no particular urge to watch it. And Baby Yoda is every bit as cute as I would have imagined. But the the point I made was for as ubiquitous as Baby Yoda is and as adorable as he is, his animation is surprisingly rudimentary. You never see the body. It's really only the head, and the head isn't really done in a particularly overly elegant form. And so one of my buddies had said, you know, the, the conspiracy theory is, and this ties into why there were no toys, Baby Yoda wasn't in the original Mandalorian. Like there was mm. some other kind of baby there. And someone said, that's not working. We need to put something else in there. Which, you know, it 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 lines up with the fact there were no Baby Yoda toys and it lines up with the sort of rudimentary way that baby Yoda was was animated in a huh in, in, by all their all other accounts very high budget production so they were they were all just walking around with like a green a green or blue stub wrapped well, in a no, cloth I, I think there was and then some, they animated over it no I think there was some other creature in there if they were animating it, they were probably just carrying around like a green a green towel no no right? no I'm yeah I'm suggesting that there was a different species of baby. 
I know, I know that's what you're suggesting. <laughs> was it CGI suggesting... or was I'm, it? What, yeah, was it? yeah. I thought it was a puppet. I didn't think it was animated. I thought it was a puppet, just like Yoda was. Well, whatever the case may be, they put the baby Yoda on top of it. Would be the thing. The Can thing. we just call this thing Baby Jar Jar? Just it's not <laughs> yeah, Baby know. Jar Jar. Could you imagine? <laughs> the uh... well, it depends if we're talking about uh, episode one, two, and three, as opposed to you know four, five, and six, whether or not it was a puppet or not, or if it was animated. Listen, if it was Baby Jar Jar, it would give some credence to the idea that he is actually the Dark Lord of the Sith. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I thought we answered all those questions. I, I think it was just John Favreau saying, fuck you guys, we're not going to merchandise Mandalorian. Merchandise your own damn movie. Well, real quick, Joe, I'm just curious. Did you get Disney Plus or did you just find another way? I, I did not. I was I was pet sitting for a friend of mine who has Disney Plus. So I would go over there, um, watch an episode of The Mandalorian and pet the cats for 40 minutes and then leave. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's why I only got through six episodes. Is pet the cat a euphemism? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is not, Ken. I actually just pet the cat. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm looking out for our listeners. They ask questions. <laughs> so, so we're here to actually talk about the rise of Skywalker. Uh, general impressions, gentlemen. Yay, nay, boo, wonderful. I generally loved it. Um, I thought I thought the pacing at the beginning was a little bit too uh, rigid and crazy. Um, I enjoyed the throwbacks to like you know the Sith holo- holocrams, whatever you call them. It, you know, some of it was a little cheesy, and um, but that's what you expect. That's what I expect from Star Wars. So I was I, I was extremely satisfied with how everything ended. And I, uh, I purposely, you know, tried to not, you know, preconceive any, any, any kind of ending. So I was really satisfied with how it ended, much more so than, say, Game of Thrones. More along the lines of, while it wasn't as good as an ending, uh, more along the lines of something like um, Breaking Bad, the way that they ended that series. Nice. Okay. Mojo. I surprisingly um, enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I mean, I was just so done with star wars after the last jedi i just i just was just empty i just didn't care um i i went into theater i went into the theater because i've always been a star wars fan and i was like okay this is the last one in this series i have to go and of course i went to talk to you guys about it but i really i honestly i could, could really care less at this point because the last jedi really just did it for me i was i was i was done um, so I didn't have any expectations really just cause I was just void of, uh, star Wars emotion at this point. So that being said, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I mean, I, I did, I also come from a, a, a place where if I'm with my kids and they like something, I just, I really like being around them if they're excited about something um and I, I i i take their energy and you know both my girls enjoyed it we had a nice time together 
uh, you know, we sort of you know, had a little, this bonding time, and it was really what movies are all about. Um, uh, you know, you walk away from the movies, and you're you're talking about it with your kids, and even the next day, we were, you know, uh, talking about it. And um, so, I mean, it was overall a, a decent experience. But, you know, when I really think about certain aspects of it, yeah, I mean, it makes my stomach turn. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, um, there are just some, some parts that, uh, I mean, were just atrocious. Uh, but, you know, there was overall... It, you know, if if we're going around first in, in 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 broad terms, overall, I had I had fun with the movie. But if I think about it too much, I go nuts. <laughs> so <laughs> I I I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Well, talking about this now, I'm probably gonna go nuts. You guys realize that? <laughs> no. Uh, but um, I did have an enjoyable experience watching it, and I'm glad. I did. Cool. And, and given given where you started on the text toy, Tom, I think that's a, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Now, Kenny G, you 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 and Paul saw this actually Thursday night at, at the big, yeah, I, the big gala. I, I Ken, Ken was also decked out in his Jedi outfit. He was which is pretty yeah. spectacular. Hell yeah! Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I only wore that. Maybe three times, but uh, I, it, it was a rush. I think there were two other people dressed in some kind of costume for that event. So it was appropriate, and I had a blast. I felt a bit vacuous at the end, but relieved. I mean, I had no idea what I just watched, but I did have closure. Uh, I think our female protagonist, Daisy Ridley Ray, holds up. And uh, we we still root for the protagonist at the end of it. Uh, it's debatable how much I rooted for Adam Driver as Ben. You know, it's kind of hard to really embrace the dude. It's like you try, but you know, uh, it's not that lovable. But uh, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Okay. Nice. And, and and I concur, you know, and, and Tom, I hear exactly what you're saying because, you know, I came out of, of the, the theater the first night. I was, I was very pleased. It was, I, I was honestly anticipating the movie to be terrible. Uh, that's, that was what my expectation was. And it was much better than terrible. And <laughs> You know, but but if I stop and think about certain things, it's like you know, you it, it it'll start to drive you a little bit nutso. So you have to just sort of, you know, not go, not look too deep um, with regards to that because, you know, I, I I there are aspects to it that could be very maddening. What I find interesting about the whole thing, you know, and and the thing that that really the that really stuck out to me is it seems that in preparation for this i think jj abrams did a lot a lot of reading and watching he he really seemed to have a a 
a more than cursory knowledge of the source material to work from and where he needed or wanted to bring things together. And so I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him props on that one. Um, even, even being the case that he was brought in late, you feel that he was the glue that, that did the binding? Well, I mean, I, he's, he's the name I know. I think there were three or four screenwriters. Um, but, but, you know, JJ, JJ obviously was, it was the face of the team, so to speak. So we'll, I'll give it to the whole writing team, but I'll, I know JJ's name, so I'll, I'll, I'll give him some credit there. But I, I thought it was, you know, you guys know, I went to a, through a lot of mental gymnastics to sort of come to grips with episode eight. And I found it laugh out loud funny that JJ and the other screenwriters literally dismissed the entire episode eight movie with a single sentence. It was brilliant. Mm, okay. What was the sentence? Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Luke, Luke's force goes saying, I was wrong. It just okay. it just okay. took a big dump all over the entire episode eight. Everything that everyone hates about that movie, Luke says, "Yep, my bad, sorry." You know, <laughs> and it was I uh, just I, I found that to be funny. Hmm. Well, that's not all that was wrong with the Last Jedi, <laughs> but yeah, okay, I'll 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 give you the fact that it would. We, yeah, we've ar we've already scene. dissected that for a couple hours. All um, right. There's there's two other quick points I want to make. The first one, Tom, you I I got such a kick out of this. You know, Ken and I went to this event that was uh, raising money for uh, the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and they have uh, you know a beer like a a brew brewery there that um, brings in a Mispillion Brewery from Delaware that brings in uh, their own special brews, and there was a distillery that was there that that makes uh you know cocktails and so you know the the distillery brings in like their version of moonshine and then they make um different drinks they had two specialty drinks inside the theater for our enjoyment one was a red kyber crystal which was like a red type of drink with lots of sweet stuff in there and then the other one made me laugh and think of you, Tom, because it was it was Bantha milk. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this giant I forgot all about that. There was this giant jug of this like bluish uh bant like bluish creamy uh liquor that they were serving to people. Um and I and I laughed. The other thing that I I wanted to mention about uh, the movie is that um, is that uh, Daisy Ridley is fucking hot as hell in Star Wars Nine. <laughs> oh, <sighs> Tom, that was one of the first things I said in our review of the of the episode of the uh, trailers, and Joe fucking cut it out. He edited out. <laughs> My comment about Daisy Ridley's hotness. It was um, it was a complete non sequitur, Paul. It had to go. Had it's not. <laughs> I, I mean, do you I, disagree, I, Tom? I, I do. I mean, I, listen, really? I'm all for you know attractive, uh, you know, sci-fi girls. I mean, we can we can name all the uh, you know the girls in the Battlestar Galactica 
old and new, um, Star Trek, old and new. Um, so I mean, there, listen, there's there's a lot of attractiveness to be had. I don't, I I don't have any. Uh, um, I, I I just do not find uh, Daisy really attractive. I mean, she's a oh, she's decent, but I mean, it's not like I, <laughs> I I I walked away and was like, oh my gosh, she's really hot. I mean, she's. Oh. Right. Well, really there you go. Faced, uh, she 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 was not in the in the top tier of hotness mm. in uh, my book, but it's interesting that you think so. Um, I'm I'm interested that you know. Wow! All right, uh, I'm on an island here. Apparently, I would like. To, all right, uh, uh, all right, Joe. I guess you can edit it out if you want. Okay. <laughs> 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 Goodness. And, oh, hey, and, and Buck Rogers. Don't forget Buck. Oh, Rogers. Aaron Gray. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had hot costumes in those. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's nothing hot about Ray's costume. I, mean, I don't just know. Nothing I think she's. I think she's hot. I don't know what to tell you. That intense look in her face. The, no. hair, the little curls of hair. I don't know. All right. Aaron Gray, though. Whew, yeah. That was living right there. <laughs> Those white, that white uniform she had with the stupid helmet. <laughs> oh, oh, God, yeah. Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Beedy, beedy, beedy. Oh, we digress. I, I, I think Joe was going to sell this podcast at Disney and you just fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look. Yeah, they, they need our help for sure. <laughs> ah, we're already explicit what's crazy is that you know so because it's been so long since i've seen it i was trying to refresh my memory a little bit of the plot because i was like you know i want to make sure that i remember anything the plot is all over the place in this and i know the film's been criticized for it and to me it just it just seemed like it was just the pacing was crazy in the theater. I just remember like the first half hour of this film was just like, you know, I needed to catch my breath. But when I read the actual plot on wikis, I'm like, wow, like how did they even storyboard this? I mean, it's just, it is all over the place. Um, and they somehow seem to pull a, a, a decent story out of it. You know, it, it's, it's funny, Paul, because one of the things that I've got, I've got a short little list here of, of good and bad things, just sort of high level. And, and one of the, the first thing I have under the good is I thought the pacing of the movie was excellent. Um, hmm. I never felt, I never felt overwhelmed or bored. Um, you know, there are certain movies I can think of and I will put uh, any of the first three Harry Potter films as a good example of just like the pacing is way off and it's like, Whoa, hold down. Well, what's going on here? You know? Um, mm. And, you know, I, I, I personally thought that this movie, you know, in, in terms of, of pacing and going from one thing to the other and keeping it moving, I think was good. Now, you know, I think if you want to, if you want to raise a beef about the, the coherence of the story, that's probably a valid point, but I mean, they were trying to do an awful lot here in this movie. So, you know, yeah. So you guys want me to run down my good and bad I mean, list here quickly, or yes, please. Just see what comes out of that. So, yes. so you know, and I was I was trying to be positive because I didn't want this to be a, a big crap storm. 
So my good points are the, the excellent pacing, the fact that they tidy up much of The Last Jedi, um, and um, I like the fact that they brought back a lot of the expanded universe that sort of got, you know, cut out when, when Disney bought the thing, right? So he brought back in... You know, Leia as a Jedi, which was completely subsumed before. He brought back in, you know, the, this idea of the Sith rituals and, and all of those things that are told in, in the stories about the Sith. Um, I mean, even get something as simple as, as, you know, well, Wedge Antilles wasn't necessarily in the expanded universe, although he had a much larger role in the Rogue Squadron books after the original, uh, the original trilogy. So I thought that was kind of cool the way he did that. I thought the use of the Carrie Fisher footage was exceptionally well done. You know, there was always yes. a big question mark how they were going to do that. And it's not easy sort of after the fact constructing a story around the bits and pieces that you have there. And I thought they did that very, very well. Um, I thought I thought the ending, like the, the, the last scene with, you know, Burying the, the the two lightsabers, her having her own lightsaber made out of her staff handle, the fact that it was a, a gold lightsaber, and we can talk about that if we want to, and then finishing up with this person who just declared herself a Skywalker, you know, on the same, you know, with the same suns and sunset that, you know, the we had in, in the original movie. I thought it was, you know, maybe it was a little too tidy. But it, you know, it it was for me a, a satisfying enough way to to close it out, Paul. Like you said, as opposed to some other things that we've seen. Yeah, and it was like cheesy, and yet like I got chills. Like you know, you know, they say, you know, they ask her, the girl, the woman asks her who she is, and you know, she's going to say Skywalker. Well, yeah. But, but the delivery was terrific, and I still got chills. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And was the sun? Or were the suns setting in that scene, Joe, or were they rising? I can't remember. I believe they were setting. Okay. Now the the bad I've got, uh, and this is you know this is a can I, yeah. Can, can I go back and just, uh, uh, as we might say uh, during the daytime hours, unpack one of those things that you you brought up there? I wanted Please. to talk about the, the 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 film the 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 footage of Leah, or Leia. I, I, f I may have been a little distracted when I saw it with, with thinking too much about it. But I, every time Le Leia was in a scene, I was trying to figure out, like, could they have done that with a different character who's actually currently alive? Um, or was it, you know, was Leia the only person that could... I, I didn't find necessarily... And maybe if I saw it again, I'd feel differently. But I didn't. I didn't really find her role in the film to be a role that Leia had to have. Right? It had to be Leia saying those things. Well, I mean, she's a little older, but she's still hot. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, I bet you. I bet you, Joe leaves that in. I bet you he leaves that you in. You guys are too freaking much. <laughs> Uh, 
I, I hear what you're saying, Paul. It's possible that 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 you know some of these actors that really didn't get the opportunity to shine in the Rise of Skywalker could have, you know, given the material that was there, and they chose to you know pay tribute to Carrie Fisher. Yeah. It, it was said though that that she you know in terms of the Last Jedi, it, it you know I think. It, it, it goes to a, uh, an offhanded quote from her brother is someone that she was supposed to be the, the last Jedi. She was ha- supposed to have a much larger role yeah. in, in the last three movies, period. Yeah, and I guess, you know, yeah, it's just hard to, you know, like I, I just noticed that in the in the plot synopsis that's provided in in uh, on on the wikipedia like you know not that this is the the be all end all but you know someone on wikipedia went through and tried to uh you know put a synopsis together of of the actual plot and really the only time leia appears in this is they refer to leia's lightsaber and at the very end uh, you know where Luke and Leia, their their Jedi spirits are are watching, right? So, I you know, so I guess just the fact that she was a passive character in it seems like, you know, rather than an, a real active character. But I guess you're right. What what are they going to do? How how big of a role could she possibly have? And I maybe mean, that, maybe no, that was my question. She sacrifices her living form in the same tradition as Obi Wan Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker to further the cause of the resistance and to what save her uh, son, Ben, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, if somebody didn't uh, write that no, into the, I didn't get that. All right. I, so she sacrificed herself. I, that wasn't really, yes. Yep. Yep. Well shown. I mean, like I, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that because actually, well, because I think I just forgot about it. Now that Ken mentions it, I remember. Well, it, yeah. and, and, and like I said, I think we should get back to that because there is some interesting connective tissue with how that whole thing went down that I kind of want to dive into in, in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Now, the, the bad how, stuff. How easy we forget how our parents sacrifice for us. Just like that. <laughs> so the bad, the, the big bad here. And, you know, again, I don't know how much to to bang on this. For all the things that I think Rise of Skywalker does right, there are some big, glaring, just huge moments of what I like to call lazy storytelling. Mm. You know, just like, yeah, all right, so this happened. What? Excuse me? Huh? What? How? You know, and, and... that's I, those are the things that if you stop and think about it, you'll drive yourself nuts because you're like, but, 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 but you just have to kind of let it go. I, I, one of the things that sort of struck me was the, the there were a couple instances of inconsistent character treatment. Like, were Finn and Poe best buddies or were they at some sort of, you know, did they have some animosity going? 
Were, were they, you know, what was going on there? It just every once in a while, someone would get really pissy for virtually no reason. And you're like, what? And, and you know, a lot of that is, you know, so I, I got roped into, before the movie, I got roped into buying and reading that book, The Rise of the Resistance, because I, I was afraid that they were going to introduce a whole lot of people and I would have been really pissed off if I didn't know where they came from. Turns out that, you, you know, nothing that happened in that movie or in that book actually tied in directly to the, the movie necessarily. Um, but it, it does, that particular book does spend a lot of time inside Poe's head, sort of, you know, the anguish over everything that he did and everything else. And so I, I, I thought that's maybe where some of that was coming from. But in the absence of reading that book, it, it probably seemed completely incongruous. So I didn't really care I for thought, that. I thought they used uh, the Lando Calrissian character more to channel the angst of the general public. Yeah, yeah. He, he almost was. <laughs> he, he was. That's a really good point, Ken. I think they did use that character in that way. It was kind of like, you know, he would come in and say what we were all thinking. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's an excellent okay. catch. Okay, but the book chose to channel that through Poe. I get it. Well, I, you know, so it's kind of interesting. So one of the things that uh, I got pissed off about Solo, the movie, was that, you know, Darth Maul shows up at the end. And, and you're like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense at all. And then, you know, like a giant dork, I drive home and jump on YouTube. And I watch like three or four, four videos to explain to me why Darth Maul belongs in the story. And all along, I realized I, I needed to be watching all the Star Wars cartoons uh, in order to figure out what the hell's going on. And, um, you know, personally, I, I didn't really like that. I don't think – I think I should be able to watch the movies, uh, uh, any Star Wars movie, without needing to watch an entire series of cartoons to understand uh, the plot features. So I liked – like I didn't – what you're calling out, I didn't think of it as anything more than the typical – you know, in the heat of the moment, sort of banter and yelling and screaming that has always gone on in Star Wars, and um, and I'm glad that that they they chose to put elements of the of the outside context around the movie, in in a way that you got value out of it, Joe, having read the book, and I was no less uh, happy with the movie. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's the way it should be. Like, if you if you partake of the extra stuff, it can it should maybe enhance your experience, but it shouldn't yes. be necessary. I agree. Yes, like for instance, like you you uh, you um, anyone who read any of the Sith books, like the Darth Bane trilogy, yes. like would get a lot out of like the the Dark Side Holocron or yeah. Pathfinder, whatever they called it, and and the rituals and things like that. That was really cool. Third bad point, and Ken, you brought this up immediately on the text after you saw the movie. A and, and they did this both in Episode 8 and Episode 9, adding in this unnecessary, you know, time drama element that they just throw out there to create... Uh, presumably, it, it's a tool uh, to create tension in the story... But it, it's A, unnecessary, and it's B, thrown out and completely forgotten anyway. 
Immeasurable. I think Poe says that the uh, that w- w- the, the umpire unleashes its force in sixteen hours. Right. Yeah. 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 The intel, the intel says that the fleet's going to to launch in sixteen hours. Now, a I, I mean, and this is one of those things you can't go too far down this rabbit hole because it just doesn't make any sense. And I think one other time he mentioned something about eight hours left. But those two sentences are the only, I mean, it just, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, that just have those three. I mean, I mean, no, we made it through eight movies without a goddamn reference to time. Well, no, they did it. They did it in. Um, they did it in eight, though. Remember when when Rose and Finn go off on their thing and and have their their little side adventure? That's on the time clock. Which really, yeah, makes oh. no sense because okay. yeah, that's when the 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 fleet was keeping the dark star destroyers at bay by slowly flying just out of their range of their missiles, while the star destroyers just sat there and waited to have a spaceship launch into them at light speed. But they were they were going to run out of fuel. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it, something like that. It, yeah. It, it, like again, to me, and, and I've never written a movie, so I shouldn't maybe talk about this, but it seems like like I said, just just a cheap ploy to create drama when it's unnecessary and there are other better ways to do that. And it just it doesn't make any sense. Sixteen hours to do all the things that they do, it, it's stupid. Uh, and, and the fact that they don't even mm-hmm. go back to it. And then the, the other... Well, apparently the, they've never had a TMR weekend. Just a, saying. Apparently. <laughs> and and the, the last one I have is is generally, I mean, if you look at this, it, it's kind of a flimsy premise. You know, this, this huge, massive fleet of, of Star Destroyers pop up out of nowhere and somehow the 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 first order scoops up all these people trains all these crews gets them out to exegol gets them all onto all of these ships that no one knew existed and we're going to launch them all at the same time i mean it just give me a break hmm. yeah that that's definitely um yeah that that's one of mine and you know i i have a that's a big deal. I mean, why does he even need? Why did the Palpatine even need Darth Vader or Darth Maul or uh, you know uh, uh, Kylo Ren or any of these guys if he could just yeah. uh, you know make this whole fleet and I mean a massive fleet, a fleet that we haven't we haven't seen the likes of anything <laughs> like this. And why does he need anybody else? I mean, so I'm 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 cutting to the chase here. Yeah. I'm cutting you off. But no, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge problem. It it is, it, you know, and and I've always been, you know, amused if that's the right word. Every scheme that the bad guys in Star Wars come up with is such a huge waste of resources. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> There aren't enough planets in the galaxy to to supply all the materials necessary for all of the the the, the shitstorm garbage that the the empire ends up having blown up or whatever else. It's just like I it was it was funny to me um, 
you know, at, in in one of the last scenes when when Ray comes out of the the Sith Temple, and um, and, and there's just huge chunks of flaming wreckage falling out of the sky. <laughs> I find that to be funny. So, well, all right, help me out. I'm going to counter that because they tried to throw in a pretty cool line. Um, Kylo Ren rebuilds his fucking mask and he looks like, like, uh, 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 I don't know, a third grade art project. And he walks into his leadership, uh, board meeting of, of, of the dark people. And, 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 and he says, I sense uh, disturbance about my appearance or something. And, 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 and so, 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 I mean, the, is he essentially the first order still? Yeah. 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 He's, he's Supreme yeah, leader. The first Kylo Ren. Uh, he's Supreme leader. Okay. He was promoted. Yeah. 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 So, 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 you know, the, 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 the leaders of the first order want to know what this guy wants in return for providing all these ships. So they do try to negotiate this, this backroom deal here. And, and there's an allusion to the first, uh, or episode four where Kylo Ren grabs the guy for asking that question and throws up, up against the ceiling, much like Darth Vader did in the very opening, uh, scene of a new hope. Just, just, that was kind of cool. And it did try to seal that, that hole in the storyline. Yeah. No, and can I just one quick thing, and I, I think I mentioned it in episode seven, and I'll bring it up again. I still don't know how Adam Driver gets all that hair inside the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Such a shitty mask at that. You know, Darth Vader, his his helmet covered... Every, I mean, Darth Vader could have gotten all that hair in there if he had any hair. But... Mm. I mean, they don't have hair gel on the planet? I mean, what? I mean, it's It not had to hard. have been uncomfortable. It had to have been uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can you can gel your hair back and wear a, uh, a bald cap and, you, you know, you're, you're okay. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> but when he takes it off, his hair is all wonderfully disheveled, you know. Oh, okay, okay. So, so clearly he doesn't he doesn't have the the cap in there. So, okay. one of the things that I found, I, I I just found this today. I found an, an online article that lists the the number. Or it was like a a list of things that J.J. Abrams cleaned up in this movie, which I thought was funny. Nice. I'll just run through this quick, and we can go to other stuff. But I I think we've already talked about some of this. It's just funny. Snoke's origins. Um. Emperor Palpatine, and it talks, um, you know, basically about how Snoke was never really a good big baddie, and so having Palpatine comes back was better. Um, Ray's training, we all wondered how Ray was going to get trained. I thought they handled that. How Rose Tico got sidelined, and apparently in this particular article, he, he mentions that was an artifact of using the, the Carrie Fisher footage. That there wasn't, there wasn't a way for to to work Rose in with the way the story had to change, based on the footage they had. Um, Leia wants me to study the plans. Yeah. Um, Finn's force sensitivity. Now, this was something that was kind of lost on me at first, but 
having watched it the second and third time, it 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 was a little bit more obvious to me because like Finn knows. I think it's when they're trying to get into the ship to get off the little desert planet where Chewbacca gets taken, and Finn knows something's up before he can see it, and it's like, oh, okay, I see. So that was kind of hmm. cool. Interesting. Um, uh, talks about Poe's heterosexuality, um, which was funny. That was something that they were they were. I had read some things that were toying about that, and they kind of they kind of speak to some sort of little bromance between Finn and Poe in the book that I read, but that never actually goes there. Um, yeah. The Knights of Ren, the Knights of Ren, I thought was was really funny. In that, I loved how their spaceship was like some diesel smoke spewing thing. Like, these guys are, are not only bad people in and of themselves, but they drive like this polluting space vehicle that you never see anywhere else. It was hilarious. Um, respecting the weapon. And here he talks specifically about, you know, in the opening sequence of episode eight where luke throws the the lightsaber away and in in this one luke's force ghost prevents ray from from burning up the uh the lightsaber and then um talks about light side ben solo um which was interesting and then talks about the holdo maneuver from um from episode eight, obviously, and then um, he finishes up with with Ray Skywalker. So I thought all of that was interesting. One quick thing: I didn't go back and watch the scene I meant to. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was not Luke's slash Anakin's lightsaber broken in episode eight in the big showdown with Snoke? All right, it was a showdown between Ray and and Kylo after they got rid of Snoke, right? Oh shit, dude! You're really deep. Uh, I don't know what got broke, but I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think the lightsaber got broken, which means either A that never happened and we saw something else, or B Leia fixed it. Would be what I was thinking about. Yeah, I don't remember if it broke or not. Well, someone will tell us if if we need to, and if they get this far. So the other thing, you know, I got deep into you just you just you, you, that list poked so many holes in this thing or or whatever brought in so many. <laughs> I I feel kind of I, I want to defend the movie now. You you put me on the defensive. Well, no, I mean it's it it, it it's talking about things that he did right to fix. All oh, this okay, crap. okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but okay, so 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 you're poking holes in the storyline at large between the last three episodes. Well, the 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 premise of of the article, and let me see. I'll get to the yeah. A lot of the things that we didn't like about episode eight, like Luke tossing the, the lightsaber behind. I think Tom adamantly opposed that. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like the things that I didn't like, but you yeah, guys were passing yeah, on. It, it was almost like they, <laughs> they took our uh, Tom's little rant from episode eight and they wrote an article about how J.J. Abrams fixed all that stuff for Tom, which is probably why Tom liked it better. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I think a, a lot of things were, were done to, um, to, to help that out. I mean, 
Joe, are you finished with your pros and cons there? Or am I... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, everything else I have is just sort of more specific. Okay. I, uh, first of all, uh, I definitely agree with you about, and, and, and Paul, the, um, the, the lay of footage. I know, <clears throat> you know, when George Lucas, per se, will lay things out, there's a whole storyboard and for the, you know, couple episodes and, and it, it goes back from, you know, a, a, a bigger story. So, I mean, these guys had a lot to deal with here. I mean, with, with losing a main character in uh, a trilogy, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really felt, I mean, I was, I was sorry to see um, Carrie Fisher pass, but I also felt for the, um, you know, the whole uh, writers of the franchise because they I knew they had to, to do some creative fixing to the, to the story. And uh, I knew that a lot uh, things weren't going to be good with at least a, a good portion of the fans. So the, a good portion of the fans were going to have a problem with what they did, no matter what they did. Mm. Um, so I was uh, very happy to a not see I mean, it worked at the end of Rogue One when they had a you know different actor in there with Princess Leia. It was just one line and it was quick and it worked for what it was and I didn't have a problem. But I mean, I'm glad that they didn't try something like that with um, with Carrie Fisher in this. Um, and I know I'm glad that they didn't they didn't do any sort of like weird CG thing i mean there's a lot of things that they could have done really wrong um and it's as much as i sort of laugh at some of the um all the extra money that they 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 burn in this it was good to see that you know they actually got some of this footage that otherwise would have been gone um and they actually made uh, a relatively decent story of it, I mean, it didn't give her a big part, but considering that she had, you know, died before the the the, the film was made, um, I was I was pretty happy with it. I mean, I was I was holding my breath, kind of like you had mentioned, Paul. I was I was really holding my breath when we were watching these scenes, going like, okay, how is this? Something's going to go wrong really soon. Like I'm, I was just like <laughs> nervous, and yeah. I'm just like, oh god, what what's going to happen here? I'm gonna. I was like almost like. Knowing I was going to get pissed off, I was like clenching my fist. But like, I nothing ever went they pulled it really off. wrong. They yeah. they did they did, and um, I mean that's uh, major major kudos to to those guys. I want to talk about that scene um, about her dying because I I didn't quite get that. We'll we'll, we'll definitely go back to that. Um, so yeah, I mean I I, I definitely was happy with with that um i forget one of the other things that, that you had um said but i i noticed joe and i i don't know if ken or paul either this bothered you but it, i was astonished that they got away with this i mean and, and that you guys aren't bringing it up um okay so Ray 
because she's the granddaughter of Palpatine, automatically has this special power that she can erase the dead or heal. Oh, you know, see, you're, you're, okay? you're spoiling, Tom. You're spoiling. <laughs> spoiling what? That's... You said you were going to go through the things that you didn't like, and I, I wanted to add to that. Be because, oh, dude, that... <laughs> That whole part right there is what I have been thinking on for a week. I am <laughs> so deep into this whole aspect of it. It's fucking awesome. <sighs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, hold on. I, I agree. I agree. I I I can't oh, wait oh. to get into this because I, I think it's I there I think there are some subtle things that are going on here. And I think as uh, I, I'm I'm just ready to get into it because I think it's a pretty epic. I think it's a pretty epic addition to the whole entire story. So go ahead, Joe. Oh, so let, let let's break it open. Okay. So I mean, so let's let's break it open. the The first, the very first thought that I had coming out of the theater the first time I watched it was, what a great way to turn this on its head. Because the the entire pivot of of episode three and therefore the whole story was the duping of Anakin Skywalker by Palpatine, saying that the only way you can keep people from dying is by embracing the dark side. And lo and behold, in episode nine, they show us that this is actually a light side attribute. That was very cool. And I was walking around very happy with that. I thought, well, that's that was that was a, a clever bit of storytelling. Wonderful, great. And then I started thinking more about it. And now I'm not so convinced that it's that simple. Because at the same time that you have Ray bringing this, this seeming light side power and her and Kylo sort of trading back and forth, Leia interjecting her own life force into the middle of all of this, you have that juxtaposed and right in front of your face with Palpatine who is still very clearly alive at this point. So is are, are, are the storytellers then trying to show us two sides of this coin? Like, yes, the Sith do in fact have this power, but when you do it, you're all decrepit and jacked up and tied to some sort of machine. And whereas if you do it with the light side, you come out okay, it's not a pet cemetery type situation, but there is a cost associated with that. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Or, and here's where I'm at right now, and this is what I'm struggling with. Are Kylo and Rey able to do this because they each encompass both light and dark side energies in what they do? This is why I think this whole wow. thing becomes fascinating. All right. Well, well, that's like that's like a whole nother level as to what that what I was considering. <laughs> wow. Okay. I I would not give them that much credit, Joe. I mean, honestly, I huh. I, I I'll buy the fact that <clears throat> Ray has this power because she is Palpatine's granddaughter. It's kind of thrown out there, in my opinion, but you know, if, for the sake of science fiction and just enjoying things i'm like i would go with that but the problem i have the big problem i have is that 
why the hell would Kylo Ren have it? Like, it, he's... so. Uh, it's a different a, bloodline. So I think it's a good question. So because there's, so let's um, let's take it let's take it back just just a little bit, right? So the um, in the theater in episode three, uh, Palpatine is is telling Anakin about Darth Plagueis and how Darth Plagueis was able to manipulate the Force and and keep people alive and manipulate the Force to heal and save lives. And he says that um, Anakin asks him point blank, you know, can you learn this this skill? And Palpatine says, not from a Jedi. And I don't I don't necessarily think that the skill is one that is light side or dark side. It is simply a a a manipulation of the Force to use it for healing powers uh, to keep people alive. And I think what the the dupe is. Is that, and and I don't know if any of you have read the 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 book um, Darth Plagueis. I have. So um, the thing that's fun about uh, that book is that it, it elucidates the fact that Darth Plagueis was actually still around in the um, during the first trilogy. And, but the dupe for me is that that Palpatine has that ability. He's always been able to manipulate the Force to save lives and has literally duped Anakin into thinking that it's something that he can't do uh, or haven't been able to do. And that's, and that's what turns Anakin. So he manipulates Anakin with it. And the fact that Rey is, is Palpatine's granddaughter, which puts a whole lot of questions in my mind around uh possible side stories <laughs> but the fact that she's his granddaughter um helps her perhaps evolve her knowledge of the force to the extent where she can manipulate the force to heal and and perhaps in her training with leia um, she is able to communicate that and evolve Leia's understanding of the Force, and perhaps that's exactly what happens with with Kylo Ren. And um, and I just thought it was like, you know, similar to Joe, but I wasn't looking at it from a dark side, light side. I was sort of looking at it like, here's Palpatine who has manipulated this idea and his ability to do this for the entire nine episodes. And at the very end, his offspring is able to manipulate it to finish him off at the end. And and I won't spoil it. Well, maybe I will be spoiling it. But, you know, Joe, I don't know what you've seen. Because I, I, I pretty much binge watched all eight episodes of, of The Mandalorian at <laughs> once. And um, But this rears its... Rears its um, markings again in the Mandalorian, this idea of the force um, having healing powers. So, and, and, and I think this leads into the whole, the whole Leia Ben thing as well, because it's, it's all part of this. And when we talk about lineages, you know, so clearly we know now, and even though it was never talked about in episode seven or eight, we clearly know now that, Leia trained with Luke. 
quick little aside here I read today. The scene where they show those two in and her last day as a, as a Jedi, those were actually um, the those were actually um, from footage done for the Return of the Jedi. They, wow! They, they actually had access to all of the all of the dailies for all of the previous films, and so they sure. were able to to get those face shots from that time when, when that put is that cool together. yeah that is cool I, I thought that was that was really really cool but anyway so we know now that that she trained with luke um we also know from episode eight that luke had developed these force projection powers which were pretty pretty heavy duty that we didn't necessarily know about before so so luke was on to some things now and again I'm not going to bash them for for lazy storytelling with regards to what Leia did because, you know, again, they only had so much footage of her they could work with. But, but, but Tom, this is where it, it kind of comes in when they talk, um, like, seemingly out of nowhere when, when Rey and Kylo are on the remains of the Death Star and Leia just kind of walks away and, and they have Maz Katana say... You know, something along the lines of Leia knows what she has to do and she knows that it's going to cost her every ounce of energy that she has. And at so at this point, Leia goes and, and literally lays down, presumably force projects herself into Ben's body that stops him just long enough so that he doesn't kill Ray. And I thought it was funny that there isn't a bigger uproar about the fact that little light side Ray then takes Kylo's lightsaber and just jams it right through his body while he's kind of hung up by his mother, which is kind of creepy. Um, she does heal him, so I guess that's okay. But it's, it's a pretty dark maneuver. Now, what I find interesting about this, so this, this inter, um, intercession by Leia into Ben presumably then, you know, removes, if you will, Kylo Ren. I thought it was, I thought it was extremely well done. As another aside here, I didn't. I had everything I had read. I had no indication that Harrison Ford was going to show up. I was not at all surprised when he did. I thought the scene where he showed up was extremely poignant and very well done. And he's not a force ghost. He's this not a force ghost. And, and, and in Ben's head. In Ben's yep, head. I thought memory. I thought that was so cool the way they did that. Now here's the important part though. Leia is essentially dead. Her body is covered up, but her body is still there. It's still extant. Ben is now back on the light side path. He runs and he does all the things that he has to do. Um, including saving Ray, and at the time that Ben expires, both his and Leia's body disappear at the same time. So clearly, there was some continuing connection um, with whatever force bridge that Leia had made with her son. That you know he was there was something about that energy connection between mother and son that held her body there until they were both done. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Wow. 
<laughs> so 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 reducing this to its most uh, basic terms on the concept of force healing are we boo or yay we are yay i'm a, yay. I'm a big fan okay so right. it was well done i thought it was but, well done but but tom you felt that this was a violation of the basic george uh lucas rules of star wars and the force um I mean, Paul, you bring up an interesting point about episode three. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Um, so I, I guess that fixes it a little bit for me. I, I just, I, I, again, I don't know if I had a problem with, with Ray as much as I had a problem with, you know, when, when Kylo Ren turns around at the end and, and, and heals Ray. Um, I, well, I thought that was sort of pulled out of the air, and I, I didn't what, think that. I, I'm, but, I'm sorry, Tom, but even what Joe just said is interesting. Where, you know, if Leia was still present in Ben or with Ben during that time, it could have been Leia helping Ben as well. I never, I never thought about it from that perspective either. So sorry. No, but but it's still the same bloodline there. It's not the Palpatine bloodline. So that's that's the that really wouldn't help things from my end but if if ray learned this from the skywalker bloodline so what what they sort of intimate here and it's you know in some ways it's it's it falls into that lazy storytelling because there's been no indication of this before you know as soon as as soon as they they killed the expanded universe but the the implication here is that luke knew some heavy duty shit and Leia knew what Luke knew. So, you know, I, I think, I think it's, that's how I interpret it at least, that it, it maybe wasn't so much Kylo doing it as it was the Leia portion of Kylo doing it. So. Mm. Well, Tom, I uh, experienced some of the disappointment that you did, maybe for different reasons. Um, I, I was disappointed that this story took that, uh, exact direction with the bloodline because I had bought in to Paul's point from our podcast for the last Jedi. And Paul, you had emphasized that through Ryan Johnson and Disney, we were kind of blowing the doors off of the star Wars metaphysics you know, uh, laws and, 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 and rules and regulations. And we were bringing force sensitivity to many different characters, even to the point that on the, the casino planet, we see some kid there who seems to be uh, Canto bite or yeah. Canto bite is this casino planet that just yeah. pops up out of nowhere and there's some kid there who seems to be force positive who's playing with a Luke Skywalker doll. And uh, uh, we, 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 we posited that this kid was, was now somehow force aware and he was right. going to grow up to be uh, a protagonist in some later story, you know, maybe a cartoon. God bless him, his own movie. And, 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 and yet, and, 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 and Ryan Johnson's like, 
everybody's force positive. This is beautiful. I'm blowing the doors off. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 so many writers here, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and, and, and whatnot. Um, I, I won't go through the, the list, but for, for whatever reason, episode nine puts the uh, lid on the trash can and says, nope, no, nope, forget it. That, 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 that kid on the casino planet who was called Tamiri Blag, not to be confused with Nick Begg's prog rock base. <laughs> <laughs> Tamiri Blag is this kid who shows up and we think he's going to be the next hero. And, 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 and episode nine comes on and, and, and says, uh, sorry, it's all Skywalker Palpatine bullshit. And you just, you just got to deal with his family on and on and on. And the fact that we opened it up to other people was kind of just a teaser. Yeah, no. And, and, and that, that, that's a that's a very good point. Like I said, I you know a lot of that was a lot of the mental gymnastics I had to go through to accept episode eight as you know what they were trying to do, and yeah, they just you're right. They said, oh, everything that you thought about before on episode eight, forget about it. Which <laughs> which ultimately, you know, with the exception of of Luke's force projection little trick, makes episode eight even more redundant than it was before i mean and and literally like i said i i i wasn't being overly joking when i said you know this movie dismisses episode eight with a single sentence because that's what they do They're, like everything about it forget it we're done the the only thing you really need to take on from that is the fact that luke skywalker knew some deep heavy shit yeah, there was, uh, you know, my sister D actually pointed this out to me that episode eight introduced the idea that Ray and Kylo could be in two separate places yet still be with one another through the force. Um, which turns out to be a pretty important thing in this story because. You know, they do that when they're in two separate locations and actually exchange lightsabers. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. pretty pivotal to the plot. I liked the way that they sort of built up to that, right? So, mm. you know, they started that obviously in episode eight, where they could see each other. In the in the beginning of episode nine, they started having these little moments of crossover. So they were actually battling without actually being there. And like yes. at first you have the uh, the little red berries show up on the, the the star destroyer, and then and then ultimately the Vader mask flips back off to where Kylo Ren is. So they they establish this, and 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 again another one of the the sort of lazy storytelling things is oh we're a force dyad which you've never heard anything about no one explains it it's just like here's here's a clever reason why we can pass these things back and forth uh, okay whatever cool you know mm -hmm. again they're they've got a lot to do so i'm not going to bag on them too much but if i think yeah, about it it makes me angry <laughs> it'll be out in the next comic book it'll explain everything oh good Excellent. But, uh, but, but yeah, that they, they, they do at least, you know, they, they, they build that up and they pay it off in this movie, even if it's actual origin doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'll, I'll yeah. give them credit for that. Yeah. You want to geek out on star on lightsaber colors for just a minute? Yes. 
So, <laughs> yes. So one of the things that that has been keeping me awake at night is, you know, in all of this, what happened to Luke's green lightsaber? Huh. You know, we never see that. We have we have his and his father's blue lightsaber. Leia has a blue lightsaber. Now this is interesting in that if I if I have my canon correct, most most Jedi have blue or green lightsabers. The blue generally are associated with the warrior type Jedi. The green are associated with the more wisdom lear learning teaching types. So I find it fascinating that when Luke created his his own lightsaber, he created a green one as opposed to a blue one. But here where you've got um, Kylo and Rey fighting the, the light side versus dark side fight, they show up with two blue lightsabers. And then at the end of the whole thing, when Rey buries the two blue lightsabers and she has her own, she now has the, the gold lightsaber, which, as I understand it, is normally associated with Guardians of the Jedi Temple. Mm. So awesome. very, you know, I, I just, I think that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Did you ever find out what a purple lightsaber was for? It was for Samuel L. Jackson. Mace Windu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, it's the lightsaber for bad motherfuckers. That's right. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, the, the story, as I understand it, goes that Samuel L. Jackson went to George Lucas and said, hey, dude, I want a purple lightsaber because that'd be badass. And George Lucas said, well, of course. But then they canonized that in that I think the, the sort of backstory created around Mace Windu was, and my sons could tell me this better, Mace Windu was the, he was, he was sort of on the edge with some of his techniques and some of the things that he did. And I think he was the only Jedi to use a certain um, lightsaber form that was closest to the dark side. And... Mm -hmm. So apparently some of that energy maybe had created a purple lightsaber, which is, you know, moving down the spectrum towards red. So I think that's that's the overall story. And if I got that wrong, I apologize. But but that's the general gist, as I understand it. Interesting. I kind of like all these charts on the web with lightsaber colors. I mean, if, if we could just reduce the periodic table to lightsaber colors, I'd be fine with science. <laughs> So, um, one one thing that I just wanted to point out, um, there there are a couple of uh, they call them Easter eggs. There were actually there was probably a bunch. I haven't actually watched any of the YouTube videos to see them all, but um, there are two that were cool. Um, of those two, one of them uh, was I thought was magical and. Um, Actually, I think I almost shed a tear uh, when it happened. I just thought it was so cool. The first, uh, the first one was when they were on that planet, and they were having the festival of lights or festival of whatever they were doing. And the person said, "Oh, it's a festival they only have every forty-two years." And I had missed it; it went over my head. But um, my friend Rachel Block, who was there, reminded me that you know the original Star Wars Episode Four was released forty-two years ago. And that was the uh, significance of that. I thought that was cool. Uh, but the the one that to me was magical and and um, 
yeah, almost almost brought tears to my eyes was when when Kylo is transforming back into Ben Solo and he is having the conversation with the memory of Han Solo. He goes through and he re recapitulates what he said in episode seven. And then the very last thing that he does is he looks at Han and he says, Dad, and there's a dramatic pause. And Han Solo says to him, I know. And I almost cried when that happened because when Han was being put into carbon freeze in episode four, Leia said to him, I love you. And he just responded with, I know. So Ooh. I, I, I thought that was so freaking powerful. And um, I just, and, and it was just, it was clever. It was a great, Easter egg, if you will, but it was it was so powerful and emotional for me. I I almost cried, and, and I I agree with you. And I think I think for me that moment is is a lot of why I was able to sort of buy into the redemption of Ben Solo. I, I think if it mm. wasn't for that, I would have been like, eh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, I, I love the fact that Harrison Ford came back for that for that scene. I think it made um, it was a very important scene, as you mentioned, and um, I mean that was a pivotal point in the story. And to have Harrison Ford be there for that, I think that was that was great. I mean, that, that, I mean that was um, definitely one of the things that that that, that gave. Rise of Skywalker weight or scenes like that. And I, I want to say real quick, um, as an overall comment, an overall thought, I mean, I was very happy how they really, in their own ways, introduced, you know, had all the cast in there from, you know, yeah. had all the original cast yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, in, in different forms, right? I mean, you know, Lando Calrissian was there in, you know, real life. And then we had, you know, the different, um, you know, ghosts or, you know, uh, imagination things, but I mean, they were all in there and it sort of, it paid homage to, uh, it just, it really put like a, the icing on the cake, so to speak, and, and really paid homage to, uh, the original cast. And, um, it was a, it was a, it was a nice way to, to, to go out. And, uh, I mean, so that was really one of the things that, uh, sort of kept oh. me in it. Anthony Daniels kicked ass. I mean, friend of the Palaver Dave Kersner said, you know, one day that it was just ridiculously funny. All, all the worthwhile jokes were from Anthony Daniels. He yeah. just played it off perfectly. That brings up another thing that I, I, I forgot to mention here. So we did our sort of uh, our, our pre-episode based on on the trailers. And there was there was sort of a list of grievances that came out of that episode things that we were worried about based on the, the 30 seconds that they showed us or whatever. I'm really happy to point out none of those things came to pass in the way that we were afraid they were going to, which was, okay. Was so really let me good. interrupt you. For a yeah. I got to interrupt you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, hold on. All right. So the, one of the things I was going to bring up, uh, I had a problem with, is okay in the trailer. Ray does her super flip and slices the Tie Fighter, and, and does that that whole thing. Okay, 
Did anyone have a problem with the fact that, you know, they're on this planet and just at the spot where they land on this planet and then the stormtroopers, okay, so that happens. Kylo Ren comes out and then sees them go off and then the flying stormtroopers come out. And then just at the spot where they're in the, the quicksand, they go down and they, they find fly down. They fly down. I like yeah. that. They fly down. <laughs> they fly down. <laughs> so, you know, but then they go into the quicksand and find the sword. Uh, and then just at that spot, okay, where they were, and Kylo Ren kind of, you know, they, they kind of fix it where they Kylo Ren says, well, I led you to that spot. But come on, and the whole desert. How? And after he shows up, the store, the stormtroopers chase them, and then, you know, what? A couple of miles into the desert, and then they they land right in the quicksand, and then they go down, and they they find this magical dagger that has the code and whatnot. I think J.J. Abrams likes to do stuff like that. He he. he if you guys remember in the in the Star Trek movie that came out ten years ago with the um, with the new cast with that J.J. Abrams directed, there's a scene where Kirk. I'm sorry. There's a scene where Spock throws Kirk <laughs> out of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> he throws him out. He, he he goes out of the Enterprise. He lands on a planet, a random planet, and guess who's there? The the old generation Spock, the old Spock, who just happens to be hanging out in the cave <laughs> and comes out and they have a heart to heart. And, you know, just at that same spot, he gets thrown out. That they have to, they have to do this. So, I mean, you know, and, and, we have a little bit of an issue with just like literally things flying out of the air and just landing in the appropriate spots. There, there's another. Does anyone have a problem with any of this? There's another part to that. Honestly, Tom, that. You know the 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 landing in the in the quicksand thing bothered me less than what resulted from that, which is when they crash on the the moon of Endor, and Ray just happens to be span standing in the exact perfect spot where the dagger lines up just so. Right. If she's fifteen feet either side, guess what? She's going to a different place that doesn't work anymore, and and right. and that's why. You know, that's why I put the lazy storytelling at the feet of J.J. Abrams, because we've seen this before from projects that he's been associated with. You know, he, I think, and I don't, I don't know anything about filmmaking. I honestly don't know that much about J.J. Abrams. I'm basing this off of what I know about episodes 7 and 9 and what little I think I know about other things that he's done. He seems to, to be a filmmaker with a lot of ideas in his head and perhaps not the most advanced ability to to bring that together. He's got a lot of ideas. He can make things that look nice, but he's not great at making sure all the pieces line up exactly right. And, and he, he does take some of the, he seems to take some of these little lazy shortcuts. Now, again, I'm, I feel like I'm nitpicking because overall I'm very, very happy. There were also some, 
some facets of this movie where I was struck a couple of different times by either nods to or inspiration from not only previous Star Wars films, of which there was plenty, um, but other things as well. The, the, the scene where Ray is getting ready to, to go off, um, you know, looking for the, the, the wayfinder or whatever the hell it's called and Finn and Poe show up. Oh, well, we know you, you know, it's going to be dangerous. That's why we're going with you. All I could think about was fucking Harry Potter at this point. I mean, that was just, and there was, there was another moment that, that struck me as sort of Harry Potterish. There was a moment that I was struck by, um, I was, I was recalling something in the Lord of the Rings and I don't remember what it was. And even, um, even Palpatine himself, like what, whatever that was, you know, there were certain aspects of the way he was presented that made me think of the Dune books. And to go even a step further, the whole scene where Ray is, is knocked out and lying prone, looking up <coughs> at this massive space battle going on in, 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 over Exegol, J.J. Abrams was sitting somewhere with a fucking looking at a Tesla ball and said, oh, that would look great in a movie. <laughs> I mean, that's all that was. You know? <laughs> well, I, I, I think what you guys are getting at is described by the Deus Ex Machina. We, we yes. didn't get a lot of Latin in our public it, it schooling. Is, it is so, Deus so, ex, so, ex Machina, yes. Or yeah, yeah, Deus Ex Machina. So, 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 just for 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 <gasps> idiots like me, the Deus Ex Machina is a plot device whereby a seemingly unsolvable problem in a story is suddenly and abruptly resolved by an unexpected and seemingly unlikely occurrence. Typically. So much as to seem contrived. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and normally when, when Deus Ex Machina shows up, it normally shows up once in a story. We've come up with three or four you know, instances in this movie alone. You know, and a little side note again, our friends, not our friends, we don't really know them, but I like them. Um, the, the guys on I Don't Even Own a Television uh, apparently yeah rock yeah, yeah, a, yeah. apparently <laughs> early on in in his, earlier on in his life um i guess it was jade didn't know the latin translation and always thought it was i believe i believe his his translation was dude sex mocking jay or at least that's the way he <laughs> translates it now ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well um to that end how different is this movie from a video game because the, the video games have a series of deus ex machinas where you find a little key and it fixes everything is is this the the era of your movie is very much like your video game i i think that's probably a a, a not invalid point ken because yeah you know, and, and we had talked about this before, the experience that my children and, and you know, even that, that woman that I was dating, who, um, their experience with Star Wars is different from ours. And 
their experience, you know, their interaction with, you know, my kids' interaction with the world is is flavored by the video games that they play, flavored by the cartoons that were on that they watched, all of that kind of stuff. So they they have a different sort of of foundational material to work off of than we do, and they 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 experience these movies differently than we do. But I, I think that's important to the point I was trying to make. So it's very important. Yeah, I, I I just like the fact that that Daisy Ridley has some muscle tone. It, it concerned me that she grew up in the desert fending for herself, yet she had no muscle tone in The Force Awakens. So she she finally has some, you know, kind of dexterity, and she seems self sufficient. And I, I I very much appreciate that in this movie. Well, I mean, a lot of those Jedi things are are total yoga moves. I mean, like that one scene where she was, you know, floating with the the rocks. I mean, that was that's like a futuristic yoga right there. That gives that gives you tone. Well, apparently, yeah, yeah. I I saw that workshop advertised. I didn't have the ten thousand dollars at the time, but I look forward to signing up someday. Fuck yeah! So. Nice. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything. I just happened to pick up my phone. And I was looking at it, and I, I pulled up Instagram. And, and do you guys follow Mark Hamill by any chance? On on uh, Twitter, not on Instagram. Instagram, on Twitter I do. He's, he's, he's pretty funny. He's he's hilarious. So he's got this video right now that he put up. Presumably, someone sent it, and it, it's a uh, imagine if you will little teeny tiny plastic figures from some sort of a game. One of Darth Vader. One of Jedi Luke Skywalker. And they're they're on some sort of a board, and a cat is playing with these. And the cat bats the the Darth Vader one for a little bit, and then he decides to start batting the Luke Skywalker one. And he he bats the Luke Skywalker one over to the side of the thing, and promptly starts chewing on the head of <laughs> this of this figure. And 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 uh, Mark's uh, Mark's caption was clearly a payback for me snarking on the Cats movie. So that's how funny Mark Hamill is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. Well, I you know, I, Ken Ken, you didn't bring up the Cats movie when you were listing the all the all the movies. Uh, didn't it, hit his radar. It wasn't oh. on IMDb. I don't know. Maybe IMDb uh, disowned Cats. I heard it was pretty bad. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. man. I, I just I, I found the perfect lightsaber site. It says lightsaber colors and their meanings, and and the left side is the legend, and it's like a paragraph of deep, thick text, and then the right side is the canon category, Ooh. which is which is just speaking to all of us. So red, I'm gonna skip the bullshit. The real world answer is the crystals are now alive somehow. Sith made them bleed to give them their red color okay so 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 it's a it's a really down-to-earth description purple because sam jackson wanted a purple one <laughs> is that what it says uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yellow because the temple guards should look different than the actual jedi <laughs> yep why not and white because alsaka should look different when she ditches the jedi okay so you'd have to know who that is. I do know. Uh, and and between the green and the blue, because George used blue and green in the originals. You can't have Star Wars without blue and green. Mm. 
That's all you need to know about the goddamn colors. So can you send right. us that link? I think this needs to be in the show notes for this, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, li- I like that that idea. Because I can't seem to find a, a, a site that that's good. So, I, you know, those were sort of all the notes that I had. I'm sure there's we could probably spend another three hours talking about this if we really wanted to. But, I mean, you know, for me, it it did exactly what it said it was going to do. And while I do have, you know, a certain amount of reservations and, and you know, I'm not 100% satisfied, I'm a good 85, 90% satisfied with the way this movie turned out. And I envision myself in the future with my kids watching this movie far more often than I would anticipate myself watching episode eight, uh, for example. Mm. I should hope so. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you and I'm, I'm happy that I'm happy that this, uh, you know, the last trilogy here was wrapped up and in a satisfying manner it didn't it didn't absolutely destroy star wars as we know it but i am also looking forward to upcoming trilogies and more television shows that uh you know exist outside of the confines of these characters with these specific roles and um and you know we we can hopefully get to some different types of storytelling um, in this uh, wonderful universe that that's been created. So, so real quick, without really getting deep into it, because that's another episode. Uh, all right, Paul and Joe, you guys have seen at least a lot of the episodes of Mandalorian, and I don't know if you have Ken, but if either of you can, you like real quick, like yay, nay recommend don't recommend like in a couple sentences what do each of you guys think about it i i will tell you that i didn't get disney plus and i hadn't made any great effort to see it because i wasn't i didn't feel in any way shape or form compelled to watch the mandalorian even with all the buzz around it and some of the things i first heard didn't make me feel any different about that and i almost watched it Literally just because I had the opportunity to and I, I, I took it. I will say I had... It, it took me probably till the end of the second, maybe halfway through the third episode before I was really on board. What I find interesting about that show is that it's in it's in the universe very clearly. Um, I, I, I am not steeped in Mandalorian lore. So some of that is is somewhat lost on me, but it it does seem to be for the most part consistent. Certainly on a visual scale, it's very consistent with with the movies. You know the 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 universe you're in, and and but at the same time, it's very much it's it's almost like a western, you know, and you have that sort of that sort of vibe about it and and so you get a different type of storytelling in the universe that you know and love and and i've they really do a good job i think of sort of building this character and what he's what he's running from and what he's trying to figure out yeah yeah i i agree with um a lot of that i also really like it and i just to kind of patch on to the to the Western idea, 
I think that the story is compelling enough that even if it was told as a Western, you know, outside of the Star Wars universe, that after three episodes, you you would be you would be locked in. You would be like into the movie or into the show. Um, the fact that it takes place in the Star Wars universe, I was I was locked in by the end of the first episode. Um, and yeah, there and and for me, there's um, I think there's kind of three things that that have have really drawn me into it. The the first thing is is you know takes place after you know the the um right after the return of right after the return of the jedi i believe is is that right joe no yes is it right after the return of the jedi yes even more so than in in that episode six it really kind of takes you back to episode four from the concept of like a dirty space right you know the ships are dirty the the everything it's just it's not this pristine you know cgi universe that that they're operating in it's it's, you know, you're back on desert planets and it's just dirty space. There's also a, a certain aspect of the unknown. Like I find in most of these shows that I watch, like I'm with Joe, most of the time the shows that I watch, I have to go through three or four episodes before I can actually decide if I'm interested enough to watch it. Um, and and the, the it seems like the less that I understand, the the more I like it. Like if there are more questions that I have after each episode, I want to keep watching. And I feel like in many ways there's some of that mystery in the um, in the Mandalorian as well. Yeah, um, the dirty space. There's a yeah. there's a sense of discovery as you go through the story. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it's 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 pretty cool. So the dirty space, the sense of mystery, and I think the story just they keep is discovering their going. baby character every episode. <laughs> CGI but, is you know, one. but but to that extent, like you know, not not to spoil it, but you know, he it's it's important to see it like the this the discovery of of Baby Yoda, and it's not even it isn't Yoda, but the discovery of Baby Yoda is unexpected. You, you don't expect, like I did, seeing everything and hearing everything about Baby Yoda, when it was introduced into the story, it was the last thing that I expected Baby Yoda to, to, to be introduced as. And, and the whole season, you're learning about what Baby Yoda is. Nobody knows what it is. And you do, because you have some insight to the Star Wars universe, but you still don't quite know how it fits together. And it's, it's pretty cool. The, one, the other cool thing... I'm is just that, kind of worried about child support, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, the the other cool thing that I like a lot about about this is that I I I, th I know I've talked about this before. I think I talked about it in our preview episode. Um, Karen Travis had a, a phenomenal set of books that were about uh, commando clone troopers, and it really took a deep dive into Mandalorian culture, which was then wiped clean by the, the, the uh, Disneyization of the canon. And now the Mandalorian culture is different than what it was in those books and in the previous um, Star Wars expanded universe. And, um, and oh, I read that they had like four or five people at Disney actually researching and and abiding by the Lucas way of doing things, 
And they were kept on board and then phased out for episode nine. Just, ah, eh, we don't need you guys. Fuck it. Nah. Well, well, the um, the 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 learning about the Mandalorian culture, whichever way, is is also really fun. Um, it's it's a it's a cool thing, and you're learning about that. So I I mean I definitely recommend it. And uh, turns out Disney Plus is only like seven bucks a month, so um, probably worth it. Can they redo the Wookiee uh, culture to make up for the Christmas episode? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, outstanding. There's there's another series that I'm watching too, just for fun. I've watched about a season and a half, and I still have no idea what the fuck is going on. And it's called The Witcher. Oh, and, I started watching that too. A lot of a lot of people are liking it. Um, it's it's sort of a magical, mystical, uh, kind of thing. Um, I'm enjoying that, even though I don't I, have any. Idea I have yet to get through a, an entire episode without falling asleep, but yet I keep watching. I'm, I'm on like episode five or six. Yeah, so yeah, it kind of keeps me going, but it doesn't. You know, I've, just, I've experienced that with a lot of. I binge watch these. I watch like two episodes, and I'm like, I should go to bed, but I'm going to try to watch another third one, and then I end up falling asleep. But uh, the, um, you know, similarly, the Expanse, which I talked about, which actually handles. Uh, this physics of space quite expertly um, is also really good. That story is so complex and, and intertwined that it is, it's, it's sometimes tough to follow along. That's pretty cool. Outstanding. Well, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking, it occurs to me that we probably will need to have another star Wars episode because we're going <laughs> to have to, we're going to have to get together and force rank all the movies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know when we're going to do that. I don't know when, how that's going to happen, but I, I, I feel compelled that we have to, uh, we're going to have to do that at some point. We're going back to the fish marine before we do that. I think (laughs) actually, I think we need to have a whole force ranking episode where we force rank, because we still haven't force ranked the King's X album. We have not. We we can force rank the Star Wars movies. There's probably several things that we can force rank in in our palaver journey that we've had here. We probably so we could. should just have a force ranking episode. Do like a month of just force rank force ranking the things. Yes, albums. I doubt. I don't no, think so. No, no, we have not. So any other any other thoughts though on Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker? Speak now or forever hold your peace until we talk about it again. I needed the closure. I got my closure. I really shouldn't complain. I feel a sense of community. I feel a sense of love. I I, 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 I honor the light side of the forest over the dark side of the forest. I want to just keep it in that happy place. Is that, is that cool? Can I just... You can. I agree with you, Ken. It was a happy ending without being terribly... Uh, stupid or or cheesy, and I even was, I was even happy and smiled when the Ewok showed up again at the end. <laughs> I was, was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a problem with that. It was fine. Uh, yeah, all right. Too many engineers and scientists and techies in our group, but 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 I think w- we get the overall vibe of the movie. <laughs> 
Yep. It was a fun watch. And and what I find interesting is that it seemed to satisfy our generation. It seemed to satisfy my kids' generation, hmm. which, you know, I mean, the, the other two movies in this sequence have been a bit more polarizing in that regard so i thought that was mm. that was interesting yeah. but yeah. gentlemen and yeah. and and daisy ridley's hot <laughs> oh you know I'm, I'm just gonna go with carrie fisher just to throw it in there because you know <laughs> a beautiful woman what a beautiful heart you know giving to people giving back to the community being a real citizen of earth you guys and, and are killing me <laughs> absolutely killing me but i appreciate and uh, your your perspective, and, and I embrace what you bring to the palaver. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending some time here this evening. Of course, if any of our listeners um, would like to, uh, you know, interject their thoughts, as always, even though we're not talking about a progressive rock album, we uh, we encourage and welcome and solicit your thoughts, your comments, your feedback, your questions. You can reach us at the usual places, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ProgPala or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.